0: Chapter 13 Fresh Wound My alarm clock screamed at me to wake up, but I was already awake. I had been for at least three hours, staring at the ceiling, pondering. I didn't get much sleep at all. I couldn't believe what had taken place the last twenty-four hours. My day yesterday had started out normally, and it had begun to be a great day. Until it happened. He came back. He came back. The reason my life had become a living hell, a black pit of depression, and a swirling cyclone of misery had the audacity to return. I couldn't even think straight. Yesterday, after I woke up in the small hospital ward in the basement, I found my sister sitting on my bed near my feet and the professor standing up beside me. Bubbles looked terrible. The thick black streaks of mascara running down her face from her eyes gave me a clue First and then I saw that her eyes were terribly swollen and puffy. Her face was twisted in a horrid troubled expression. I looked at Buttercup after that, and for the most part, she looked normal, sans the deep worry creasing her forehead. Professor's expression looked similar, but also in a way, grim. They'd explained that while I was asleep, they discussed the matter at hand. They gave me a recap of their discussion and what they concluded. At the sound of his name, it stirred the violent cramping in my stomach again and I leaned over to vomit into the nearby trash can. They weren't sure why they were back and why they were going to our high school, but we intended to find out. When the professor had asked my sisters why they were so concerned, they had to tell him everything from that night. Not every single detail, mind you, but the gist of it. I'd looked at the professors. Face again, and there seemed to be a hint of disappointment he was trying to hide. I didn't blame him. After all, I was expecting a much worse reaction. I'd also noticed with quiet observation that even though Bubbles had calmed down a lot more, tears still ran continually down her face, and her breath hitched in a silent sob every time Boomer's name was mentioned. At least I finally knew I wasn't alone. I'd also looked at Buttercup again. I had watched her face. And oddly, she didn't seem to be affected at all. Has she not seen Butch yet? It was definitely possible, there had to be at least three thousand people in our school. I'd asked aloud if she had. Whenever I spoke, I still didn't recognize my voice. She'd said that she hadn't, and the professor added that she might still see him, because she had only gone to two classes yesterday, so he could easily be in any of the six classes she had remaining. I had continued to watch her face, and I'd found it strange that her face was blank. Her eyes were blank, her voice was even and emotionless. And when I thought back, she wore this expression constantly. Was she hiding her emotions from me and everyone else? And had she been doing this for a while now? How long? I felt so guilty for not noticing. Staring at the ceiling, I wanted to vomit again, but there was nothing left in my stomach. I turned on my side, finally looking at the alarm clock on my bedside table. 6.39 AM. I was supposed to start getting ready at 6. If I started now, I would have to rush or skip a part of my routine completely. Or, I could just stay home. But I hated missing school. And I wouldn't have a perfect attendance record at the end of the school year if I did. But if I went back, I would have to face him again. Mixed emotions swirled in my head. First of all, I was completely and utterly confused, the familiar sting of heartbreak in the pit of my gut. Months ago, I had finally opened myself up to him, let him in, and basically let him have all of me. I thought he was mine too. I thought that I loved him. But in the months of his absence, I wasn't even sure love existed anymore. So, I fought hard to get myself back from the person that I thought abandoned me for good, the person that left my heart vulnerable and left it in the freezing, numbing rain. I'd pushed every thought of him from my mind. I'd tried to think of other things, and eventually I had started making progress. I started remembering who I was before I put everything in his hands. I remembered how much I loved learning, how much I loved shopping, and one night I even started dancing in my room and found that I couldn't stop. I had just started getting back to the life I had before. And then yesterday, it was like none of that progress was worth anything. I crumbled. All of the painful thoughts of him came flooding back when I saw his face, heard his voice. It hurt like none other. All of my efforts were crushed, like he stomped all over my wall of building blocks I had stacked up high over time. But there was another emotion that I felt. An emotion that I hated myself for. I realized yesterday that I still loved him. After all the shit he put me though. After all the pain, suffering, loneliness, everything. Yesterday, when I saw him, there wasn't just the overwhelming pain and anger I felt. I felt the familiar fluttering in my chest, the blood rushing to my cheeks. Like no time had passed at all. What was wrong with me? I looked at the clock again, and the moment I did, there was a banging at my door. The professor's voice came through. Blossom. Blossom, honey, you need to get up. You need to go to school today. There was a pause, and he was probably waiting for my reaction. I stayed silent. Then, he started again, sounding defeated, I made breakfast today. Your sisters are already downstairs." I watched the crack under the door, and his shadow moved away, following the sound of his footsteps. I lay there for a few more minutes. I needed to go to school. We had to investigate why they were there and what they were up to, and most of all, we had to protect everyone else from them. Nobody knew why they were there in the first place. They could have been planning something dangerous. Everyone needed me. I heaved myself out of bed and began getting ready, trying to convince myself that it was like any other day. I dragged my feet down the stairs, clad in a medium pink Hollister hoodie, white camisole, Bubbles faded jean Hollister skirt, and white fringe boots. I honestly didn't feel like dressing that cutely today, so I made up for it with pretty makeup. I also spent extra time straightening my hair, making sure every last strand was without any kinks. I went into the half hour of when I usually eat breakfast, though, so I would probably have to skip breakfast today. Not that it bothered me, I probably wouldn't eat at all today. The empty queasiness still lurked in my stomach, threatening to erupt again. Okay, let's go, I called half-heartedly when I got to the kitchen door, and when I started walking to get my new backpack by the kitchen table, I noticed Bubbles stabbing her fork at the full pieces of French toast on her plate. The smile was still absent from her face, that was clear, but something else was different. She had on a generic navy blue hoodie that said, Townsville High School, in bold forest green letters, and she wore plain low-rise jeans with a plain brown belt. Her hair was also up in a limp ponytail. I tried to force the lump in my throat to go down. That wasn't my bubbles. I hesitantly broke the silence again. Come on, bubbles. Get your bag. She got up from her seat obediently, picked up her book bag, and put it on her shoulder. Quietly, she walked out the front door, taking slow strides. Buttercup came back from the living room, and she watched Bubbles as well. We exchanged worried glances, and after Buttercup got her backpack too, we followed after her. Bang! 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 Bloss, could you stop banging your head? If you keep doing that your brain's gonna fall out. I looked up at my green-eyed sister from the forest green paint on my locker, that of which I was currently leaving a dent in with my forehead. I sighed, but I still kept my forehead placed on the dent. You're awfully calm. Aren't you dreading this at all? I asked, incredulous at her blank face and calm aura. This wasn't like her either. Buttercup shrugged in response, and then she replied. I guess not. It's no big deal, really." I stared at her. Unbelievable. She stared back, and she shrugged again. Finally, I found words. Are you serious, Buttercup? Do you see what this has done to me? To Bubbles? I jabbed a thumb in the general direction she had sulked off a bit earlier. Don't you care at all? A few people stopped to watch our exchange, and that only made me more angry. I rolled my eyes and glared at them. Here we go again. Buttercup just raised her eyebrows at me, and then she spoke. Of course I care. What I said came out the wrong way. She paused, and when she did, Crystal, Victoria and Amy finally showed up. We both watched them shooing the crowds away, and then she continued, Of course I care about you guys. But honestly, Blossom, they left after what they did. They obviously didn't mean anything that they said. They didn't want anything to do with us anymore. If they had, they would have at least contacted us while they were gone. But they didn't. All that time, and they never contacted us. They obviously didn't care at all, and they obviously still don't. Realization dawned at her words, and I suddenly felt a bit foolish she was completely right. I bit my tongue. Buttercup folded her arms, looking at me with a look that said she knew she was right. So, I'm just going to go about this the way that we would have handled this three years ago or so. They're the criminals, we're the heroes. Let's save the damn day, already. Even after I left my sister with Victoria to go to my first class, her words echoed in my head. They obviously didn't want anything to do with us anymore. Want anything to do with us anymore. With us anymore. What she had said comforted me a little. Even though they stung, they were true. They probably didn't even know we went to this school. Maybe they were there for another reason. And that meant that it was probably a bad reason. Victoria and I had walked in silence, and as we approached the door to the science room, I unknowingly held my breath. Victoria looked at me and gave me a small smile. The day before, in the nurse's room, I told her everything. And I mean everything. Strangely, I felt I could confide in her. She was a great listener, and I also felt that I owed her an explanation as to why I suddenly fell ill in class. It was a long explanation, but she was very understanding. She opened the door, then glanced around the room, and to both of our relief, he wasn't there yet. We made our way to our seats, and as we both got our books out, she spoke up softly for the first time that morning. How are you feeling? I gave her a small grin for the sincerity of her question. I hesitated before I answered. Better, I guess. She nodded. That's good. I thought that might have been the end of our conversation for the morning but then about a minute later, she spoke up again. I've. Her voice trailed off, and I glanced up at her in encouragement to continue. She smiled a little, and she continued. I've never been in, love, before. But, I know how it feels to be really let down by someone. I'm sorry you've had to go through that. I smiled at her innocence. She reminded me of bubbles in that way. Thanks, Victoria. I really appreciate that you care." You're welcome, and I… Her voice trailed off again, but this time I was already looking at her. Now, she was looking past me toward the door, and her face was red again. Dread bubbled in my stomach. It's okay, Blossom. My conscience encouraged me. It'll be alright. And then began the torture. Third hour. Third hour was starting in a few minutes, American government. What if that was the class that, it happened? I had been marinating on what Blossom said that morning all throughout the second hour and first hour. What I had said I partly meant, but one thing I didn't mean. It was a big deal. It was a huge deal. And I had been dreading it since yesterday. And not only had I felt dread. I was infuriated. Those rowdy rough bastards thought they could just leave us like that. Like hookers on a street corner. If they fucking loved us so much, they wouldn't just do that to us. If they really had to leave or go somewhere, they would at least contact us or take us with them. And that's how we know they went someplace, because if they had still been in town, we would have eventually seen them, or there would have been some crime somewhere. I couldn't believe I had actually liked that gutless dick. I couldn't believe I thought I was falling in love with him. Buttercup utonium, in love. Yeah, right. I just couldn't wait to kick his ass. Five classes had passed in total, and still no rowdy poos. It was lunchtime by now. Third, fourth, and fifth hour, I didn't pay attention at all. I was practically drowning in rage at this point, and every single scrawny freshman that got in my way in the hallway felt some of my wrath. I stopped at my locker, yanking the door open without even bothering to do the combo. I almost ripped it off its hinges. Not like that would have been hard for me, I could have torn the metal in half like cardboard if I wanted to. I suddenly felt an audience, and I looked to my right, where Blossom was watching me with mildly alarmed eyes. Bubbles watched me too, but she didn't seem interested. She seemed far off somewhere else. So, Buttercup, what happened to… It's no big deal, really. I almost laughed at her dumb impression of me, but then I remembered I was pissed as hell. I slammed my locker closed, and then kicked it closed again when it creaked open again in protest. I spun to face her. I don't even think he's fucking here. Not like I give a sure dash. Buttercup. Blossom cut me off in a scolding tone. Language. I sighed exasperatedly, folding my arms over my chest. What I'm trying to say is that I've been preparing myself for nothing this whole time. Blossom nodded thoughtfully, and Bubbles still said nothing. I suddenly remembered something else, cutting short the rant of complaints I'd had ready. Hey, what about you guys? How did the first hour go? Blossom cringed visibly, and Bubbles shoved her hands in her hoodie pocket. I was beginning to think that I shouldn't have asked and my red-haired sister spoke up. Well, it was pretty bad. She paused, biting her lip until she almost… Broke the skin. But, we're not in the nurse's office this time, so I guess it went a little better. Bubbles was still silent, and she shifted her weight onto her other foot. I assumed she didn't want to talk about it. That's good, I guess. I replied. And because of my sister's obvious upset, I felt my anger start to die down. Well, hey, we should get to lunch. My sisters nodded, and we walked towards the cafeteria together. I knew I was probably the only one out of all three of us that was actually going to eat today. Sighing, I slowly did my complicated locker combination. My red-headed sister next to me sighed as well. We had sat next to each other during our fifth hour class, Spanish, and even walked together, but we hadn't said a word the entire time. That's the thing about Blossom and I, we have an unspoken bond, and we could be comfortable with each other without even saying a word. We didn't need to speak to each other to know that we were both feeling the same thing. First hour had been treacherous. I couldn't keep myself from staring at him. You know, when I thought about it, Five months actually wasn't that long of an absence if you compared it to years instead. Even so, it was like I had never even seen him before. Whoever said that distance makes the heart grow fonder was right. I'd forgotten how beautiful he was. Every feature of his was like an angel's. I couldn't force my eyes away from him. But it killed me, because he never saw me. He never even glanced at me. I had dressed plain on purpose. I didn't want attention drawn to me while I felt like this. Whenever I felt like this, I felt ugly. I felt disgusted. So, I guess a part of me was relieved that he didn't look at me, even though it stung a tiny bit. But maybe the reason why he didn't see me was because he was distracted. He got approached by a lot of people trying to get to know him. He also got approached by Ms. Danica a lot. Yeah, that's it. He was distracted. I just keep telling myself that. My thoughts came to a sudden halt when my ears were assaulted by a slew of curse words and the horrible screeching sound of a locker being forced open, metal scraping against metal. My eyebrows rose, and my sister and I turned to find that our fiery-tempered, green-eyed sister had joined us. I hadn't seen her like that in a while. Has she finally seen Butch? What had happened? She finally realized that we were there and she stared back, anger still wrenching her face. So, Buttercup, what happened to, it's no big deal, really? Blossom said, her tone partially amused. Buttercup threw the locker door closed, and when the door began to creak open again, she violently kicked it shut. She spun to face Blossom. I don't even think he's fucking here. Not like I give a sure dash. Buttercup. Blossom cut her off, scolding her. Language. Buttercup sighed impatiently and folded her arms over her chest. She obviously didn't care about the cleanliness of her language. What I'm trying to say is that I've been preparing myself for nothing this whole time. So she hadn't seen him. I had to say, though, I was pretty jealous that she hadn't yet. I wished I could say the same. I glanced over to Blossom. And she was nodding thoughtfully. Buttercup suddenly spoke in a much different tone. Hey, what about you guys? How did the first hour go? At the words first and hour, an empty ache throbbed in my chest. I swallowed against it and fought the urge to clutch at the dull aching. I shoved my hands into my hoodie pocket. The back of my throat began to sting, and I forced my eyes down to my shoes just in case a few tears escaped. I kept my mouth shut, and Blossom did the same. We both noticed that our sudden, tense silence made her fiddle with a string hanging off her green skinny jeans uncomfortably. We both knew that someone had to respond, so Blossom replied. Well, it was pretty bad. Her voice was hesitant. I looked up, and she was biting her lip so hard, I thought the skin was going to break. But, we're not in the nurse's office this time, so it went a little better. Ha, right. Better. If anything, it was much worse. Fainting was pretty bad, but being conscious was even worse, because at least when I'd been unconscious, I could escape from it for at least a few hours. Being awake, I couldn't escape from it. I couldn't escape his incredible, addictive, miserable presence. It was much, much worse. Being under both of my sister's gazes made me slightly uncomfortable, Sometimes they could read me like a book. I shifted my weight onto my opposite foot, and my lips stayed pressed together. Understanding flashed across Buttercup's eyes. That's good, I guess. Her tone was no longer angry. Well, hey, we should get to lunch. Blossom and I nodded in unison, and we all walked to the lunchroom in silence. I took a deep breath, and with the movement, my stomach growled loudly. I was kind of hungry. But I didn't feel like eating, and if I did eat I probably couldn't keep it down anyway. As we entered the lunchroom, we saw Crystal and Victoria waving at us from our, I guess now, usual table. Amy was also sitting there, but she was too. Busy gleefully chewing her peanut butter and jelly sandwich to notice us come in. Stephen and most of his friends were also there, but I noticed his female friends weren't there like they had been on Monday. I shrugged it off. After Buttercup bought two slices of pizza, we sat down across from them, and they greeted us with a simple, hey, from each of them. However, it was too simple. I noticed that they kept throwing each other nervous glances. Again, this was strange, but I shrugged this off too. Blossom was more cautious, though. Are you guys okay? She asked them, her pale pink eyes scrutinizing their every move. They all exchanged another quick glance. Yeah. Yeah, we're fine. Crystal said, nodding quickly, too nervously. She hadn't ever been a good liar. Blossom squinted her eyes at her. No, really. She knows you're lying. Buttercup said plainly, raising her eyebrows expectantly. She said so without even looking up from her pizza crust that she was picking apart between her fingertips. I spoke for the first time that day, my voice foggy sounding. What are you lying about? Just tell us, Buttercup finished for me, shrugging. The three girls in front of us switched their slightly panicked glances from Buttercup, to me, to Buttercup again, then to Blossom. Without warning, Amy burst into tears. Simultaneously, there was a wave of feminine giggles and sighs from the west side of the lunchroom. As soon as my sisters and I turned around to see the commotion, we saw something. And the very small part of what was left of my hope and happiness shattered. I couldn't believe my eyes. My sisters and I froze in shock at the sight before us. Buttercup cursed loudly. And most of all, the sickly sting in my stomach had come back stronger than ever. Brick and Boomer were standing by the west entrance, at least four girls on their arms. A small pond of girls surrounded all of them, almost blocking my view from them. Brick smiled crookedly at them all, and the eruption of giggles sounded again. He gave them a smile. My favorite smile in the entire world. At first, I was numb. I blinked, as if the picture would be gone if I opened my eyes again. As if I was hallucinating. But it didn't go away. Instead, my vision was blurred again. This time, I hardly noticed. I could only feel the sickening pain that was ripping me apart from the inside out. I couldn't even fathom what was happening. I couldn't collect my usually centered thoughts. Was this, was this what he had been this whole time? Was this who I had fallen in love with? No. It couldn't have been. That wasn't my brick. Where was my brick? Where was he? I watched the sea of girls around him. They marveled at every word he said, and every one of them gazed into his incredible eyes. He reached up to stroke one of the girls' cheeks tenderly, his fingertips trailing down to her chin. The crowd suddenly erupted in excited screams. My stomach turned in revulsion. Hot tears spilled onto my cheeks. I heard bubbles crumble at my feet next to me, her body trembling. The pain was becoming unbearable and even though there was nothing in my stomach, I felt like I was going to become sick again. I had to get out of there. I had to leave. I spun around and sprinted blindly towards the opposite exit, far away from him, from everyone. Miss Buttercup, I think you should be getting to your sixth-hour class now. The mousy receptionist had said this about four times before, and I ignored her when she said it every single time. I paced in the front office, my hands clutching my head. I pulled so hard at my hair, a few strands floated to the ground every few minutes. I couldn't leave. My sisters needed me. And those boys. Those motherfucking players. They did this to them. My sisters had been pretty bad before, just seeing them again, but this? I didn't even think they would stoop this low. I had honestly just thought they would ignore us and let us move on to our normal lives. Blossom and Bubbles did not deserve this. Thoughts like this swirled in my head, over and over again, repeating themselves. Then, a deep, booming voice interrupted my thoughts. Buttercup Putonium, go to class now. I looked to see the source of the voice, our enormous principal, Mr. Hawking. He was six-feet-six-inches, very muscular, and intimidating. Of course, I wouldn't ever admit that out loud, but really, I had spent enough time in his office already. I didn't feel like testing what very little patience he had today. I scowled at him over my shoulder and forced my feet to walk out the office door. I mumbled profanities to myself. I couldn't believe they were forcing me to leave my sisters. I didn't even know if the professor was coming to pick us up this time. Probably not, it was almost the end of the day anyway. I continued to grumble to myself as I approached the history classroom door. My scowl deepened as I saw the teacher glare at me through the door's small window. For some reason, Mrs. Fitzgerald really hated me. It probably had to do with the fact that in the first few days that we've had school, I haven't been to her class, and the day that I was actually there, I texted my sisters the whole time. I opened the door, and the entire class proceeded to turn around to look at me. It's nice for you to join us, Ms. Utonium, Mrs. Fitzgerald said in the superior voice of a rich old woman. I didn't have to look at her heavily creased face to see that she was being sarcastic. Instead, I watched the critical, shocked, and blank faces of my classmates. They watched me back, and in the process, I noticed something. On the first day of school, Mrs. Fitzgerald had counted twenty-seven students. Today there were twenty-eight. I searched for the new face again as I walked to my seat, tension making my stride stiff. And then I saw him. Rage bubbled in the pit of my stomach like a rumbling volcano, and before I knew it, I erupted like I never had before. Chapter 14 Let the Flames Begin The last thing I saw was his smug, narcissistic, emerald eyes before my judgment was blurred by intense, burning ferocity. Black spots impaired my vision, and all that was left was my other senses. I felt air whizzing past me as I sped through the air. I heard startled screams mixed in with the sound of chair legs being scraped against the tile floors. I also heard the shouts of, what was my teacher's name? I couldn't think at all at the moment, every one of my veins surged with adrenaline. I felt my fist collide with the soft flesh of a mouth, along with the sickening cracking sound of teeth being broken. More screams and gasps sounded. My other fist collided with an eye. I swung my other fist again, and this time it felt like it crashed into my nose, and the bone underneath snapped with a loud crunch. Along with the shrieks from all of the females in the room, I heard masculine grunts every time my fists met with skin. I heard an even louder one when I took a roundhouse kick to his stomach, using the heel of my Chuck Taylor sneaker. More and more adrenaline swelled within me, more than I had ever felt. It fueled my incinerating temper, like flames consuming wood. I felt a large hand cover my fist, attempting to slow me down. In the same motion, I jerked my hand upwards, and I felt a bone make a satisfying snapping noise. The male grunting turned to a bass tone shout. That fed my bloodthirsty desire more, and I felt a hissing noise vibrate through my teeth. Now along with the blood-curdling screams, I heard a panicked female voice. It sounded like my teacher. Yes yes, Buttercup. She's gone mad, and she's beating one of the new students. Buttercup, was that my name? I couldn't remember. The body I was beating fell to the ground. I fell after it, fists moving the entire way. In a fluid motion, my fists unclenched, I reached for where I knew his neck. Would be. I clamped my hands around the muscular body part, shaking it back and forth. Hacking was heard now, and I felt the trachea and muscles struggling underneath my fingers. By now, my ears started ringing from the screams. I could barely make out what they were saying. She's gonna kill him. Oh my god. We're all gonna die. At these statements, I froze completely, numb. Suddenly, I heard the door to the classroom burst open, slamming into the wall behind it. I continued to stay petrified, and suddenly, I felt my arms being forced behind me. I didn't break the hold full-arm iron handcuffs enclosed on both of my arms, binding them together. Somebody grabbed the back of my collar, yanking me onto my feet. I let them. I felt a small crackling in my back. Someone was trying to shock me with a stun gun. I let them. I could have told them that it wouldn't work on me, it just tickled. But I didn't, I couldn't make my mouth move to form the words. Far off in some distance, I heard, It's not working on her. Just use the animal tranquilizer. Moments later, I felt something small pierce my back. A needle, perhaps. It only hurt for a moment, then an eerie numbing sensation followed. But I could hardly focus on that. There was something else that I was stuck on. Animal tranquilizer. They had to use an animal tranquilizer on me. Was that what I was? An animal? my vision slowly started to return to me. First, the black faded from the outside edges, then worked its way inward towards the middle. I looked around me. Closer to me were Townsville SWAT members, fully armed. They all glared at me through their masks, some glares frightened, some surprised, and others just passive anger. My heartbeat began to slow. I looked for my classmates, and I found them in the furthest corner from me. They stared back with horrified and perturbed expressions, some of the female members shrinking back behind the male members. Mrs. Fitzgerald stood protectively in front of all of the students, her expression a mix between fear and hate. I could be sure she hated me now. Lastly, I looked toward the boy I had beaten. He was sitting up now, staring at me too. His jade eyes were clouded with hidden pain, and they were filled with unprecedented shock. One of his eyes looked badly bloodshot, and it looked as if a black eye was already forming. He held his broken wrist, and his breathing was unsteady. A large rivulet of blood ran from his mouth and down his neck, staining the collar of his shirt. He hunched over, a sure sign of a broken rib. I looked back over at the stairs of my classmates and the officers, and I was sure of it now. I was a fucking monster. Almost immediately after I came to this conclusion, my legs gave out, and I collapsed onto the ground. They were numb, and even if I could move them to get up off of the ground, I wouldn't have. Then, my mind became numbed, and unconsciousness washed over me like a dark ocean. I dreamed a vivid dream you could only have in the deepest of sleep. I was in someplace dark, but it was as if a spotlight was shining on me, because when I looked down at my feet, my body was perfectly visible. Even so, I couldn't see anything around me. It was just black. I felt the strange sensation of being naked, but upon looking down at myself again, I was fully clothed. Maybe instead it was the feeling of vulnerability. It felt degrading, disgusting even. I'd begun wondering where I was even more, so I moved my feet forward. They slid in place on the invisible ground. I tried again at a faster pace and it felt as if I was running on a treadmill. I began to panic. Why wasn't I moving forward? Why couldn't I go anywhere? I hated this feeling of being trapped, and not knowing where I was. I suddenly stopped running. The atmosphere of the place had suddenly changed, and something felt different. What was different? I instinctively glanced down at myself again, and I found that I was suddenly in different clothes. My black tunic had turned into an apple green and black corset with lace on it, and my green skinny jeans into a plaid, pale green miniskirt with leggings underneath. This was my favorite outfit. Why was I suddenly wearing it? Abruptly, the uncanny silence turned to ear-splitting noise. I jumped, and I moved to cover my ears with my hands. I looked around frantically, and I still couldn't see anything through the darkness. Seemingly nothing was making the loud noises that swirled around me. Then, joining the spotlight, lights of red, deep blue, and dark green shone on my skin. For some reason, the colored lights were warm. At first, it was sort of a comfortable warmness, because the space around me was cold. Then, the lights. Got warmer. And warmer still. I began to feel uncomfortable. They kept getting hotter and hotter. Then they scorched my skin. I tried to leap away from the lights, opening my mouth to let out a pained yelp. But my muscles wouldn't listen, and out of my mouth came no sound except for the silent whoosh of breath. The burning of the lights was, for a few moments, unbearably hot, and then I was suddenly unfeeling and cold. Seeing movement from the corner of my right eye, I froze. Strong arms wrapped around me closely, and soft lips caressed my neck. Breath constricted in my lungs. I knew who it was, I didn't even have to turn around to look at his face to know. I recognized him by the mere way his body fit against mine. The noise had faded away, and it was quiet. Then I heard one voice from far away. Damn it, Buttercup. Someone was calling me. Who was calling me? You just don't get it, do you? Were they talking to me? Whenever I see you, or when I hear your voice, or, hell, even just hearing your name, I just, I just want to jump off of a cliff without flying, just to see if the rush even compares to what I feel when I see you. What did it mean? You make me want to scream at the top of my lungs about you until my throat is raw, until the whole world knows. The voice sounded so desperate. And this sounded familiar. Where had I heard this before? Every time I make you bleed, I want to shove a knife through my heart so I can't hurt you anymore. When you look at me, or even when you're insulting me and screaming at me, my heart speeds up, and I can't slow it down. The boy behind me let me go, then turned me completely around to face him. His fierce green eyes bore into mine, and I felt naked again. This time though, I knew I wasn't. In his gaze, I was vulnerable. Do you get it now? The boy said this in a gentle tone. It was also the same exact time the voice in the background said it, and their voices matched perfectly. It was him. Of course it was him. He wrapped his arms around me again. I wanted to tear my eyes away and run as fast as I could from him, but I was still frozen. It was like my muscles didn't work anymore. And I couldn't look away. But as much as I hated to even think about it, even if I could've looked away, I probably wouldn't have. He was so damn incredible. But I wanted to dismember myself for even thinking that. He was my sworn enemy, he always had been. One night shouldn't have changed that. His brothers broke my sister's hearts. It was absolutely not okay to think those things. But there had been something that my subconscious had hidden from me and everyone else in the world since he left, and I finally realized it now. Butch broke my heart, too. Abruptly, as if he had been reading my mind, Butch jerked away from me. Without warning, I could move again. He held his hands up defensively in front. Of him, and his eyes were wide. Maybe even fearful. Why was he acting that way? I watched him in confusion. Had I done something wrong? Then, his right wrist convulsed violently breaking, and then his hand flopped downward lifelessly. His head jerked back, his left eye forced shut, and when he opened it again, the white of his eye was reddened. He hunched over too, and he brought his other arm to cover his midriff. I watched in horror, my expression mirroring his. It seemed as if someone invisible was beating him up. I reached in front of me, but as soon as I did, his head jerked back again. I brought my hand back, and as I did, his face turned to me again. Blood flowed from his mouth. Panic rose in me, now. I wanted to make it stop, I didn't want him to be in any more pain. Not now. Then, numbness overtook me again. Just when it came back, Butch moved away from me, and he moved fluently, as if someone pulled him towards them with a rope. And then he called me. Promise me you'll always remember what I said to you. His voice faded into the distance, and he was gone. Then I couldn't feel anything. When I opened my eyes, my eyelids still felt heavy. I became aware that I was lying down in an unfamiliar place. I sat up, and I saw white everywhere. Well, I knew I wasn't dead. And I couldn't have been asleep again, because I could move, unlike my dream. As I sat up, my head spun a little. I tried to move. One of my hands to grasp my head, but they were bound in heavy iron. Then, everything flowed back to me, I remembered. I remembered the blind rage, the screams, the crackling, then the unconsciousness, and him. I saw the room I was in with new, enlightened eyes. It was a large, padded room. I was in the padded cell in Townsville Jail. I became aware that I wasn't alone and there were ten SWAT members from earlier, lining the walls. They looked at me cautiously, some cocked their guns. I was in jail. Buttercup Utonium was in jail. They didn't know how to contain me, so they brought me here. No. I shouldn't have lost control in the first place. This was all my fault. I should have, but wait. What about my dream? I remembered. No. I couldn't think about my dream. I could never think about my dream ever again. But even as I thought this, scenes from that goddamn dream played over and over again. I felt a meltdown coming on. I slumped over. This was too much. Too many emotions at one time. I hated feeling overwhelmed. I brought my head up and dropped it harshly and repeatedly onto the padded ground, wishing it would hurt so I could have something better to cry about. My steady breathing turned into sobs. They were the kind of sobs that are so filled with pain, they don't make a sound. Curling into a ball, I brought my knees up to my chest, and I buried my face in my knees, hoping nobody would notice the tears streaming from my eyes. Professor paced back and forth, and he gripped the phone he held harshly as he spoke into it. We were currently in the front lobby of Townsville Jail. I had to say, I'd never been at a jail to bail someone out before, let alone my own sister. Bubbles and I sat next to each other in generic waiting room chairs, both leaning on the same armrest. Bubbles rested her head on my shoulder. We watched Professor Dolly. We were both physically and emotionally worn, and I honestly didn't know how much more we could take. At noon today, happiness disappeared. I had a lot of time to think everything through, and I decided Buttercup had been right. They didn't care. They didn't care about us at all. To Brick, I had just been another girl on his arm. I thought back to the crowd of girls around him and wondered how many of them he was planning on dating the final two years of high school. He could probably date all of them, after all, he had gotten me in just one night. My stomach heaved, and I felt so foolish. I hated feeling like a fool, I wasn't a fool. But he had made a fool out of me. I couldn't believe I actually believed every word he said. I threw all of my trust into him, and I just let him have me. So, I guess in a way, this awful day was a kind of closure. I had spent all that time worrying about when he would come back, if he still loved me. I wondered if he would take me back after all the time. Even the smallest part of me thought that maybe he enrolled at our school to see me again. Now, I know for sure. He didn't want me. There wasn't any more mystery. I could sleep at night now. Part of me still longed to believe that it wasn't true, but there wasn't anything I could do about it now. I guessed this was the end, just not the one I was wishing for. But, what good was wishing anyway? I just wanted this pain to end. Earlier, we'd had to explain to the police and to the school that Buttercup had beat up one of our enemies, and that the said enemy was one of the Rowdy Rough Boys. Of course the police remembered the Rowdy Rough Boys, so they understood. However, they told us they couldn't release Buttercup until they got the okay from the school. Currently, the professor is still on the phone with the superintendent of the school. Yes, sir, I can absolutely guarantee you that Butch Jojo will be just fine tomorrow. Yes, guarantee. Well, sir, the chemical X makes him superhuman. Yes, just like the girls. Yes, I know that the girls were instructed not to use their powers at school, but it was just a misunderstanding. About five minutes more of reassuring the other man on the phone, Professor hung up. He glanced at us and gave us a soft smile. He had felt awkward about taking us home earlier, before Buttercup's outburst, because this time he knew we weren't really sick. Lovesick, maybe. It was not only awkward because he didn't know how to comfort us, but also because he had never been good at boy advice in the first place. He was a scientist, not a teen advice columnist. About three minutes later, an officer finally emerged with our sister. As soon as I saw her, I knew immediately that she'd had an emotional breakdown. She had few before, but I could recognize the signs easily. She had puffy eyes, and her eyebrows formed a permanent, unreadable line above her foggy eyes. Her makeup was smeared onto various places on her face. And, for the first time in months, I could actually see emotions in her eyes. She wasn't hiding them. It didn't take a genius to know that her repressed emotions had finally caught up with her. In a way, at least now I knew that Bubbles and I weren't overreacting. It was easy for Bubbles to get upset, and a little tougher for me to get upset, but if something made Buttercup this emotionally unstable, it was obviously a big deal. Here she is, Mr. Utonium. The bright-eyed, jolly officer said with a Dallas-sized smile. Sorry about that misunderstanding, dot. Professor smiled politely back. Not a problem, Jimmy. It's all settled now. Thank you. Buttercup stared at Bubbles and I during their entire exchange, and we stared back at her. I was the first to take a step forward, and Bubbles followed, taking my hand. Buttercup stepped forward to meet us, and at the same time, we all hugged each other tightly. None of us said it out loud, but we all knew. It was going to be okay. I sighed silently, the cool night air caressing my hair. I pushed random pieces behind my ears. Professor had driven us home, and I had gone out onto the back porch, seeking fresh air. I seriously needed it after that horrendous day. I forced my lungs to inhale again. So, this was it. This was life without Boomer. I mean, really without him. Before, he was gone, but there was always that hope that he would return to me. But this was official. I could never have him again. I had hoped that while he was gone, he'd still thought about me as much as I thought about him. I hoped that what he said was really true. He didn't really care. He didn't love me. I couldn't cry anymore. Life seems meaningless now. I didn't want to end it, I mean, I wasn't suicidal. But was this how life would always be like, forever? Sure, I could get married, have kids. Maybe, if me and my sisters were capable of having kids, I'd never really thought about it. Even if I married someone else, it wouldn't be my true love. Nobody would ever be as amazing as he was. But it was selfish to want him like I did. I could never want him the way I did ever again. I looked back up at the stars above me. Some of the stars were covered by mist-like, thin clouds, and the bright moonlight reflected off of them. The sky was gorgeous, but not as beautiful as that night. I shook my head. This was going to be hard, to try and get over him. But, obviously, it was what he wanted. If he wanted ten girlfriends, fifteen girlfriends, twenty even, then I'd just have to accept it, if that was what made him happy. I just wanted him to be happy. Maybe one day I could be happy again, too. The night sky was starting to sting me with its memories, so I turned away from the view, and went back into the warm house. I can't keep this up much longer. I can't stand to see that look on her face, seeing me do this. I almost gave in today, and today was only the second day. I can't handle this, I can't. I need her. Chapter 15 Only Time Will Tell Bubbles and I entered our high school once again, and the same stairs took on a different meaning. Because of Buttercup's outburst the day before, the school decided to have an assembly to explain to the student body why it happened. They also told Professor, in Buttercup's best interest, of course, that she should take a day off from school. By the time she came back, they hoped, the whirlwind of gossip would die down. Before Bubbles and I had left for school, Buttercup had been absolutely silent, just as she had been the day before, after she had been set free. We had tried talking to her, asking her to talk to us about everything, but she had just turned away, shaking her head. She'll come around, Professor had assured us before he waved us goodbye from the front door. I hated to leave her so vulnerable, but I thought far back to our childhood when she had lost her lucky green blanket. She had insisted she couldn't fight without it and had a catastrophic emotional breakdown. Soon afterwards, though, she finally pulled herself together and was able to fight just as well without it. Professor was right. She'd be okay. She just needed time to herself, time to regroup and calm herself down. At school that morning, the entire student body was staring my blonde sister and I down, shock and weariness across their faces. We just ignored the looks. Honestly, after the week we'd had, we were getting used to all of the attention by then, and it really didn't feel that weird anymore. This wasn't anything we couldn't handle. Crystal and Victoria were already at our lockers when we arrived there, waiting for us. Hey guys, Crystal said in a tone that I knew was pity, but I chose to ignore her tone. I forced a small smile on my face. I looked past Victoria's shoulder. Where's Amy? She got a cold, Victoria said, and her voice was quieter than normal. Looking closely at her face, I could see some pity there, too. I nodded in reply and got my science book from my locker. I heard the door to Bubbles' locker slam shut, and she mumbled toward me, See you. I looked up just in time to see her straight, gleaming blonde hair flowing behind her as she retreated to the auditorium for her first class. Love you, I called after her in a normal volume, not wanting to draw any more attention than I already had. She responded by throwing me a small smile over her shoulder. I turned back to Crystal. She looked visibly upset as she watched people stare at me and whisper as they walked past. Crystal, I forced another smile, hoping that I looked fine. Just ignore them. Don't worry about it. She shook her head as suppressed, angry tears formed in the ridges of her blue eyes. As she spoke, her teeth clenched. I hate them. I glanced over at Victoria, who always seemed to have a worried expression on her face in general, but she looked even more worried today, even concerned. I emphasized, really, guys. I'm fine. I began walking towards Mr. Nelson's classroom, staring ahead unseeingly. I felt Crystal and Victoria's gazes follow me as I walked away, then I heard Victoria's rushed footsteps behind me. Really, I was okay. I was going to be okay. Buttercup wasn't the only one that needed time. I stalled in front of the entrance to the auditorium. Well, there it was. The room of torture. And my last moments of numbness before the pain began again. I took in a few deep breaths, trying to calm myself. I needed to do this. If I couldn't even go to my first period class without fainting or running out of the room crying, I would never be able to get through this. I had to get through it. I was a super heroine, this shouldn't have been so hard for me to do. I just had to be brave. I could do this. I could do this. I put my hand on the handle, and I paused again, taking one more deep breath and letting it out slowly. Finally, I opened the door, and a sea of voices greeted me. As I walked down the middle aisle to put my bag by the stage, I examined the room around me. Ms. Danica stood on the edge of the stage, talking to one of my classmates animatedly about something. One big group of guys stood together, agitation on their faces. Then, on the opposite side of the room, Boomer sat in one of the audience chairs, and twelve different girls in our class surrounded him. My throat tightened. To be honest, I had been expecting to see the ocean of girls from the day before, so seeing just twelve now didn't seem as bad. But it still stung. I tore my eyes away, but I still had to walk past the noisy group. As I did, I heard his deep, amused laughter, then his voice. Ha, thanks. You're quite beautiful yourself. The group of girls chorused in giggles. My stomach crawled sickly. His tone had sounded overwhelmingly arrogant. I was disgusted. Somehow, my feet were still able to carry me to the stage. At least the attention was surrounding him instead of me this time. No one paid. Attention to me as I sat down on the edge of the stage, trying to push down my nausea. That is, except for Crystal. I hadn't noticed her walking up to me until she plopped down next to me, Sitting on the edge of the stage so that her legs dangled off the side of it like mine were. She wrapped an arm around my shoulders in an embrace. I looked up at her, and she smiled at me warmly. Forget about that stupid asshole. He doesn't deserve you anyway. I couldn't help but smile back at her. She had always been a really great friend. I know, I said, but even as I did, I questioned if I truly believed it, my smile fading from my face. Maybe I was too foolish that night. Maybe I was just caught up in the passion, and I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't believe I'd been so naive and careless with my own heart. Why had I even thought that he could have feelings for me? Maybe he was incapable of it. Maybe it had really just been all a game to him, and I'd fallen for it instantly. My stomach stirred in shame. I couldn't fix it now. It was too late. It was in the past. It was time to move on. Okay, everybody. Warm-up time. Then, prepare for our practice reading." Ms. Danica's voice rang out in a high soprano-like tone, interrupting the ring of feminine giggles from a particular side of the room. Crystal took my hand and we silently walked to our normal warm-up spot in the auditorium. As we began to stretch, Crystal spoke up again. So, I think I heard someone say we were doing a romantic reading today. I rolled my eyes in exasperation. Wonderful. Just what I needed." Crystal offered me a sympathetic smile. If you need to go to the nurse, just let me know. I'll take you in a heartbeat. She raised her eyebrows at me. And, please no more fainting. You nearly gave me a heart attack earlier this week. Again, the muscles in my face responded with another smile. Don't worry about that. I'll be fine. She looked at me warily, but before I had time to reassure her, Ms. Danica shouted her announcement again. Alright, everyone on stage. It's time for our reading practice. Everyone sluggishly shuffled their feet up the steps to the stage, and the large group of boys and large group of girls finally split up. Meanwhile, our excitable teacher rushed backstage. Her choice of the unique accessory of the day, sparkling red fairy wings, bounced with each step. She emerged from the back curtains with a medium-sized brown box filled with thick, leather-covered scripts. She dumped the contents of the box on the floor, and she glanced back up at us with a mischievous grin on her face. Today we're doing something much different than the plays we've been doing so far, and I'm quite sure you've heard of it before. My classmates exchanged confused glances while Crystal and I silently exchanged knowing ones. Ms. Danica said, with barely contained excitement, Today, my beautiful students, we are going to be reading scenes from Romeo and Juliet. Some groans sounded from the males of the class, and some squeals and giggles came from the females. I groaned along with the boys. Seriously, Romeo and Juliet? How cliché was that? So, Ms. Danica continued impatiently. We were quickly learning that she hated being interrupted. Everyone gets a script, and I'm going to pick one boy and one girl to read. Almost everyone each got a copy of the script except for me, there hadn't been quite enough copies for everyone and then a few girls raised their hands, eagerly waving them in a way that reminded me of elementary schoolers. All of the guys just stood where they were, looking bored and obviously uninterested. Some had even become interested in their bare wrists that they desperately wished had watches on them. Others just stared at their shoes. Ms. Danica critically studied each face, her conniving grin back on her face again. For Romeo, I choose. She paused for dramatic effect, although I was sure we all knew who it was before she said it. Boomer. She seemed to have some kind of favoritism with him already. After this pick was revealed, Every one of the girls besides Crystal and I waved their hands in the air frantically, and the ones that had already been excited had become almost desperate. I raised my eyebrows at them. Our teacher began again, and for Juliet. I thought those girls were acting totally over the top, but whatever. They could go crazy for him if they wanted to. Maybe seeing him flirt with more girls would help me heal sooner. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe bubbles. I looked up from my nails when I heard the sound of my name leave the teacher's mouth. You have got to be kidding me. I screamed inside of my head. The whole class had gasped, and everyone suddenly remembered I was there. I was abruptly bombarded with sneers and glares from the girls and smug looks from the guys. I looked back at Crystal, and her jaw dropped in utter shock. Sure, I could have listened to him read it with someone else. I would have gotten over it eventually. But is he reading it with me? No. Oh no. Heck no. Absolutely not." I searched my mind for excuses, but they came out jumbled. I, um WL, I, C, uh… Ms. Danica, Crystal's voice shot out suddenly. She, she woke up with a sore throat this morning. She's not feeling too well. I don't think dash. Oh, please, our teacher said, shaking her head and looking at us skeptically. I heard you speaking just fine earlier. Now, come on. Let's get started. Chop chop. I shot Crystal one more desperate look before Ms. Danica walked over, grabbed my hand and dragged me to stand by him forcibly. Then she swiveled my shoulders, forcing me to face him. I swallowed hard. Okay. This shouldn't be too hard, it was just reading, right? It's not like we were actually talking. Besides, I didn't have to look at him. I could just stare at the script. I looked down at my feet, my breathing labored. Right across from my white Hollister flip-flops I saw beat-up, blue Chuck Taylor high-top sneakers. His high tops. Oh, God. He was there, right there. Someone shoved a script into my hands. Ms. Danica announced, alright, let's go. Scene 2, Act 6, page 134. Romeo, you start. Everyone, follow along in your own scripts. I'm not sure how my shaking hands managed to open the book and turn the pages, but I eventually got there. Why was I shaking? Damn it, I needed to stop shaking. His voice again, right in front of me and clear and terrifying. Ah, Juliet, if you're as happy as I am, and you're better with words, tell me about the happiness you imagine we'll have in our marriage. I stared at his lines as he read them aloud, the book directly in front of my nose. When he finished, I stared at the words after the name in bold print, Juliet. I frowned slightly, finding that my mouth wouldn't open to form the words. Bubbles? It's your turn, darling. Ms. Danica coaxed, her tone comforting, yet there was a hint of impatience in it. Two or three girls chuckled under their breath. I nodded wordlessly, and cleared my throat. Just get it over with, Bubbles. I told myself. Finally, I opened my mouth and read, my voice muffled. I can imagine more than I can say, I have more on my mind than Dash. Bubbles, dear. Ms. Danica said, impatient again. Please hold your script lower, we can't hear you. I flinched, and I lowered the script ever so slowly down to my chin. Lower, she coaxed again. I lowered it to normal height now, and I glanced at her. She smiled at me and nodded at me to continue. I turned my glance back to the page, and I made sure to avoid his face. I can imagine more than I can say, I have more on my mind than words. Anyone who can count how much he has is poor. My true love has made me so rich that I can't count even half of my wealth. Okay, stop, that's good for that page. Let's get a better one, I want to hear Juliet more. Our teacher paused and skipped some pages. Okay, let's do Act 3, Scene 2, page 154. Now, how about more feelings, bubbles? Become the character. Be passionate. I nodded, my eyes adjusting to the new page. It was just Juliet's part, and it was really long. I took a long breath, then began. I wish the sun would hurry up and set and night would come immediately. When the night comes and everyone goes to sleep, Romeo will leap into my arms, and no one will know dash. I broke off suddenly as the meaning of the words I read rang so true in my own ears that it rattled me. My throat tightened and I coughed. Keep reading. I thought. Everyone is watching you. Get it together. I tried to force myself to move on, and I unknowingly skipped over a line. Or else, love is blind, and its best time is the night. I stopped again, biting my lip. Why did our teacher have to pick that part? Honestly, did the universe not want me to forget about him? Did the universe want me to wallow in misery? Or did I just have the worst luck in existence? I hadn't realized how long I'd paused, but apparently it had been long enough for the silence to be awkward. Ms Danica waved her hand dismissively. Okay, alright. I understand that you don't want to read by yourself. I got it. Let's move on to a different one. She flipped through multiple pages again. Ooh, here's a good one between our star-crossed lovers. I bit my tongue. By now, it was starting to feel like she was doing this on purpose. I was beginning to feel mild resentment towards this woman. Act 1, Scene V, page 66. Be passionate, my students. Romeo, go. I swallowed hard as I stared at the lines on the page. This was going to be uncomfortable. Boomer's voice again. Your hand is like a holy place that dash. Take her hand. Ms. Danica barked. I expected Boomer to snatch my hand gingerly and squeeze it impersonally, like the way you would hold hands with a person you don't know or don't like. Instead, before he graciously laced our fingers together, he gently ran his thumb across mine. My knees buckled slightly, and I chomped down on the inside of my bottom lip. Oh my god! I felt my hand quivering inside his, and I knew he felt it. There was no way he wouldn't have felt it. Burning, tingling sensations had shot through my hand and into my arm the moment he had touched it. I fixed my gaze on the script in front of me like my life depended on it. Your hand is like a holy place that my hand is unworthy to visit. He read the lines smoothly and flowingly. I felt his gaze on me. If you're offended by the touch of my hand, my two lips are standing here like blushing pilgrims, ready to make things better with a kiss. I still didn't look at him. They were just lines to a play, that's all. It was just part of a grade, nothing more. We were doing this for a grade. I repeated this in my head over and over as I started my line. Good pilgrim, you don't give your hand enough credit. By holding my hand, you show polite devotion. After all, pilgrims touch the hands of statues of saints. Holding one palm against another is like a kiss. More burning shocks shot up my arm and down into my stomach at the word kiss, and my fingers twitched. I frowned against the sensation. Bubbles, look him in the eyes. He's your Romeo, not some stranger off the street. Ms. Danica barked again, more eager this time. Damn. I mentally decided that I didn't like that woman anymore. Hesitantly, grudgingly, I removed my eyes from the black, printed words. As soon as I looked from the page, I was bombarded with the blue fabric of a t-shirt. He was less than two feet away. Slowly, I moved my gaze upward, and was greeted by intent, focused, deep sapphire eyes that were locked on my gaze. As much as I hated to think it, he was even more beautiful than I remembered, especially up close. His gorgeous face was absolutely serious, maybe too serious. It was stoic, passive, even. Even so, his eyes bored into mine, and the intimate and intense feeling it brought threw me off. It even intimidated me a little. I averted my eyes to his hair. Soft-looking, sun-bleached, infuriating perfection. Line, Boomer One of our classmates reminded Boomer, I wasn't sure who. Then with horror, I realized I had been staring at him. How long had I been staring? But he had been staring at me, too. He had been staring so hard that he'd forgotten his line. I cleared my throat in embarrassment and broke our heavy gaze, glancing back down at my script to find my next line. What the heck was that? What was happening? Don't saints and pilgrims have lips, too? His voice was husky when he spoke this line. Though he said this line so naturally, if I hadn't known better, I would have thought he was just talking to me. His tone reminded me of that night, when he talked to me so normally that it felt like he had always talked to me that way. But why would he talk to me? Of course he wouldn't. Not anymore. I automatically read my next line, trying not to let my thoughts distract me again. Yes, pilgrim, they have lips that they're supposed to pray with. Come on, more feeling. Our teacher was even more eager now. I felt everyone gawking at us for some reason. Boomer stepped closer now. I jerked back slightly, almost taking a step backwards. What was he doing? He took another step closer. Our faces were about six inches away from each other now, and his scent surrounded me. He smelled unbearably good. Well then, Saint, let lips do what hands do. His tone was somehow deeper, and his expression was still serious. I'm praying for you to kiss me. Please grant my prayer so my faith doesn't turn to despair. I urgently tried to regulate my breathing, but I still failed. I strained the muscles in my legs so they wouldn't buckle again. With just my eyes, I glanced at Crystal, and she seemed as panicked and shocked as I was. I tried to control my shaking hands, but if anything, they quivered more. The pages of the script I held shook visibly. I couldn't handle this. I couldn't. I was going to crumble any second. What was wrong with me? Line. Someone else shouted, a male this time. I took in a ragged breath, forcing out the line even though I knew and dreaded what was next. Saints don't move, even when they grant prayers. My voice was just a whisper. I was helpless. Boomer said, then don't move while I act out my prayer. Kiss her. Ms. Danica shouted this time, not in anger, but in anticipation. No, don't. Not her. One of the female students protested in disgust, along with the many pleas from the other girls. I glanced over to them, and they shot fire from their eyes at me. In my whole life, I had fought hundreds, even. Thousands of criminals, but a few of those glasses were more fierce than anything I'd ever seen. Suddenly. I felt strong fingers under my chin, turning my face towards him again. He was bending down towards me, and his face was even closer now. The very tip of his nose brushed mine, and his eyes were as intense as ever, blues brimming with every bit of the emotion that I had seen that fateful night. No, 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 no. It was a lie. He was acting. It was fake that I was just another one of his toys. He'd played me. He'd broken my heart. He'd left me. I could never fall for his stupid mind games again. Hot, angry tears formed in my eyes. Abruptly, I heard more voices breaking through the tense atmosphere. From the other side of the auditorium. Wait, what? What was someone doing over there? I tore my eyes from him to look at the front doors, and students were beginning to pour into the giant room. Oh crap. Ms. Danica said, stomping her feet. I forgot we had an assembly for the last half hour of homeroom. She pouted slightly, but relief flooded inside of me like a sea. I couldn't have asked for better timing. All right, well, great job, guys. See you all in class tomorrow. As she told us this, a loud whistle sounded at us from the back of the room, and I took that as a sign to separate from him. I yanked my hand from his, pushed his other hand off my face and roughly shoved past him, keeping my eyes from his face again as I ran away to freedom. Practically skipping over to the steps of the stage, I beamed at Crystal, who quickly came to my side. I was so giddy with relief, I only vaguely heard Ms. Danica say, We'll start up again in class tomorrow. Crystal and I rushed down the stairs, and when we reached level ground again, I turned to her, pulling her into a relieved hug. I can't believe I survived that class. That was torture. That was so close. She broke from the hug and shook her head, her eyebrows raised as she agreed, way too close. She paused, running her fingers through her thick, dark hair. She fiddled with the ends to help calm herself. But, I hope you know that I had something planned if I needed to step in. I'll do it tomorrow, if you want. I nodded. Perfect. I mean, if she picks me to be Juliet again." Crystal laughed. Oh, I'm pretty sure she will. She was getting so into it, you should've seen her face. Seriously though, you guys had such awesome chemistry. It felt so real, like dash, she stopped abruptly when she saw the look on my face, which I imagine was something between bewilderment and mild anger. Sorry. She hunched her shoulders inward, grimacing. I forgot about, that, for a second. I nodded in understanding, smiling slightly, but still stung. It's okay. Besides, I didn't really disagree with her. It felt like it was real to me, too. But of course it wasn't. I stared down at the hand he had touched, and the skin still burned. My smile faded. Crystal continued, less enthusiastically, Like I was saying, though, she's definitely not going to pick anyone else after that performance." My shoulders slumped. Right. Oh, well. I'd crossed that bridge when I came to it. I paused thoughtfully, and I took a deep breath. With the movement, I discovered that my throat was uncomfortably parched. Man, I seriously need some water. No shit, dude, Crystal raised her eyebrows. You looked like you were going to faint again. I bit my lip, and my back stiffened. Was it obvious? She hesitated, then slowly nodded her head. Sighing, I decided to change the subject. Let's go find my sister and Victoria. We should sit with them. Crystal nodded again, and we walked together to search for them in the large crowd. I stared down at the floor, utterly confused. Now, usually there were only a few reasons as to why there would be rose petals leading a trail to somewhere in the hallway. 1. That it was for a huge dance that was coming up, such as homecoming or prom, and some lucky girl was getting asked out. 2. It was close to Valentine's Day, and someone was getting swept off of their feet. Or 3. Some other occasion or reason that the principal may or may not need to know about. I was pretty sure that it was a while until we had homecoming and prom, it wasn't February, and, well, I wasn't absolutely sure about that last one. I just got out of my third period class, calculus, and was on my way to my locker. I felt a weird texture underneath the heels of my ballet flats, and upon looking, I found that the entire hallway floor was scattered with rose petals. Normally, I would have disregarded it and ignored it, but as I kept walking, I noticed the rose petals followed the exact path i take to my locker. I tried to shake it off as a coincidence. That is, until I saw a boy clad in a tight black shirt and faded, dark blue jeans standing in front of my locker. His back was to me, and his platinum blonde hair shone. I stood about ten feet from the row of jade green lockers, blinking. I focused on the numbers of the lockers, especially looking for the one I thought was mine. I focused even more on the number engraved near the top. Number 424. Okay, so it was mine. Well, maybe he got lost, and maybe he mixed up my locker with someone else's. Then, the mystery boy turned around. Be Blossom. Steven stuttered, and the bouquet of roses he held started to quiver. I, I'm sorry. I didn't see you standing there. I was still confused. Hey, Steven. I paused, staring at the flowers he held. Are you, waiting for somebody? His gray eyes widened, and he gulped. I had never noticed his eyes before. He had nice eyes. Um, no, no. I, uh, he gulped again. I was actually waiting for you. I stared, trying to figure out what he was up to. Really? He nodded, his lips curled into a nervous grin. His entire face was flushed red. I mirrored his smile. So, those flowers are for me. At the word flowers, he fumbled with the large bouquet in between his hands. Finally, he held them out to me, another sheepish expression on his face. He stared at his shoes. I watched him carefully. He was obviously really nervous, maybe I shouldn't have been staring at him so intently. I softened my expression, giving him a small smile again. Thank you, Stephen. I took the flowers from his grasp, and when our fingers brushed, his eyes snapped to mine again. He swallowed before he spoke. You're welcome, he paused, rubbing the back of his neck uneasily. And, I have a question to ask you. I gripped the flowers with one hand, ran a hand through my hair, and nodded for him to continue. I suddenly felt an audience watching us. He hesitated, and I gave him a smile that I hoped looked comforting. Now, he looked even more uneasy. Will you, go out with me tomorrow night? I stared at him again, my eyebrows raised. Had I just been asked out. Bye, Stephen. But, why? I felt a sudden nudge in my side, and my eyes flickered over to see Victoria there beside me, giving me a wide smile. I glanced back at Stephen again, and he seemed to be nervous again. Right, I should probably say something. I started, wow, Stephen, that's so sweet of you- Dash. I'd understand if you said no. Stephen interrupted, nodding understandingly, but even so, he looked so heartbroken. I bit my lip. Then, something red caught my eye. Despite the sting, I looked in the direction of the object. My hand paused in my mid-stroke. Brick strolled down the hallway, a pretty brown-haired girl on his arm. Instead of charming her, I noticed that he was looking at me. He was looking at me for the first time in almost half a year. His face was expressionless. Our eyes locked, and the dull pain swelled again. I tore my gaze away, my eyebrows furrowed. I forced away the sting at the back of my throat. Steven watched Brick too, and he clenched his jaw. His eyes darkened with anger. He watched him until he couldn't anymore, then, he turned back to me. Blossom, his voice was clearer now, and all nervousness seemed to be gone. The sudden change in his tone surprised me, and I looked up. He stepped closer, and now that I had a clearer look of his eyes, they were also clouded with want. I'm sorry. He paused, and he removed the hand I had tangled in my hair and held it between his. I don't know what exactly he did to you, but I do know that he broke your heart. He brought our hands to his moderately muscled chest, right where his heart was. He pressed mine into the soft, black fabric of his shirt. His heart beat wildly and uncontrollably. My breath caught in my throat in surprise, and his deep gray eyes looked into mine even deeper. I would never hurt you, Blossom. I felt the power of his words, felt the heavy emotion behind them, and I desperately wanted to believe every word he said. But I couldn't. Stephen, I dash. He interrupted me again. Just think about it, okay? Then, giving me a genuine, casual smile, he walked away. I bit the inside of my cheek, looking down at the beautiful, bright red bouquet. I had never been given flowers by a boy before. Well, besides getting tulips from Professor on mine and my sister's birthday. I brought a hand up to feel the soft petals, and I lowered my nose to indulge in the fresh, floral scent. It was kind of funny. That morning, I had actually thought that things couldn't get any more complicated than they already were. Beside me. Victoria sniffed repeatedly. I switched my gaze to her, and she wiped at the small tears that escaped the corners of her eyes. She felt my gaze, and… She chuckled in embarrassment. Victoria! I said, shaking my head. You're crying. That was so sweet, she mumbled, then paused, sniffing again. He really likes you. He liked you last year, too. My eyebrows raised. Seriously? She nodded. Even during the whole princess thing, he only left you alone because he thought you didn't want to be friends anymore. That's why he felt so bad about it this year. I smiled and looked down at my flowers again. Well, he was really sweet, wasn't he? And the whole nervous thing was kind of cute. I think, I looked up at Victoria again, Who had finally swiped at the last round of tears. I'll definitely think about it. I growled, switching the television off. There hadn't been anything good on TV all day, just idiotic reality shows and talk shows with hosts nobody has ever heard of. I reached into my bag of cheese puffs, and my fingertips touched the empty bottom of the bag. I huffed, balled the plastic bag up into a tiny ball, and threw it in the general direction of my trash can. There was nothing to distract me now. I had just eaten through the last bag of chips we'd had in the house, and I couldn't really cook, so we ate until dinner time. Now there was just me and my thoughts. I had really lost it yesterday. I mean, really, truly, lost it. I hadn't had a meltdown like that since I had lost my green blanket as a little kid. And I also hadn't been so fiercely angry like that since, well, ever. And it was all because of a stupid rowdy rough boy. Professor told me that the school would be having an assembly today, and that they would explain why I did what I did. Not the, you know, heartbreak thing, but the whole archenemy thing. He'd said that hopefully, the gossip and drama would die down by tomorrow. Yeah, whatever. Honestly, I didn't care what they said about me. I couldn't have cared less. As if I cared about what a bunch of loser humans thought of me. And now that I'd had a day off and some time to calm down and think, I figured that as long as he kept his distance from me, I would be fine. I still couldn't believe I'd let him get to me that much. No other villain, no other person had ever made me blow up like that. Maybe it was my mood that day. Maybe because I was so tense and fiery beforehand, and that was why the ending explosion had been so bad. I had to make sure to keep my anger in check next time. And I could avoid him. I would avoid him. And I wouldn't think about him or his idiot brothers. I wouldn't even look at him. That's what I had to do. Now that I'd finally had a good cry the day before, and I'd come to the realization of why I'd had the breakdown in the first place, I could really get over him this time. I could force myself to forget the words he'd told me to remember. I could forget those stupid lies that I had actually believed. I am ready now. Maybe then I could finally be myself again. You just remember what I said now, Bubbles. Mrs Sabin, my Spanish teacher, said to me as I opened the door to leave. I smiled at her, nodding half-heartedly as I left. She had kept me after class because she'd caught me texting Blossom, who'd been sitting across the room from me. I covered for my sister, of course, and said I was texting the professor instead. Professor doesn't text much, but it made a good excuse. Still, she'd kept me after class to give me a good talking to. She hadn't yelled at me or anything, Mrs. Sabin loved me. Teachers were supposed to confiscate phones immediately when students were caught using them, but she hadn't even touched mine. In the end, she just told me to be more careful, and to save the texting for the hallways. As I walked the normal path to my locker, my footsteps' echoes ricocheted off of the walls. Everyone else was in the cafeteria, having lunch already. I glanced at the digital clock on the front screen of my cell phone. 12.15 pm. I still had a good 45 minutes for lunch, no big deal. Hopefully, if I hurried, I could still get in the lunch line and get something good. I quickened my pace. Before I had been busted, Blossom and I had been talking about Stephen. He had asked her out after the third period, with a bouquet of roses and everything. That explained the rose petals I had seen littering some hallways of the building. I was happy for her. Really, I was. I was proud of her, too. I was proud that she was able to move on to another boy after Brick. I smiled to myself ruefully. My torturous first class still weighed heavily on my mind. I hadn't been able to stop thinking about every moment. I wondered when he wouldn't be able to affect me that way anymore. I knew that if I tried, one day, I'd probably be able to move past Boomer. It would probably take years, and even then, I knew the heartbreak wouldn't be completely gone. It was like a scar, the wound would eventually heal, but the reminder of the wound would always be there. Eventually, I reached the hallway that my locker was in. I looked down at the linoleum floors, and rose petals were still scattered there. I pulled my backpack straps from my shoulders, letting the packed bag fall to the ground with a loud thud. The sound was loud, and it echoed off the walls, but there was another sound with it. I glanced around me, thinking that maybe someone else was at their locker. But when I looked, no one else was in the hallway. It was just me. I shrugged it off. It had probably been someone in a nearby hallway, slamming their locker loudly. Or maybe they had done it quietly, I couldn't be sure. I had accelerated hearing, which made sounds from far away sound closer than they actually were. It could have been upstairs for all I knew. I turned back to my locker, did my combination with quick fingers, and I began to switch my books out for the classes I had after lunch. Bending down, I dropped the new books into my backpack. And the hardcover studded against each other. Then, another noise. It was the sound of the rubber soles of sneakers squeaking against the floor. I felt the vibration of it, too. It was right behind me. I stood upright quickly, my heart rate uneven. Before I had time to turn to face the stranger, two strong, familiar arms wrapped around my waist and warm breath blew across the nape of my neck. I didn't have to look to know who it was.